Okay, so today, or this morning, I had a conscious dream. And I am making the distinction between it being a conscious dream and a lucid dream because in my mind, I think that the two are different. The way I define lucidity in a dream or lucid dreaming is waking up, becoming fully aware of the fact that you're in a dream and then being able to control all aspects of the dream and manipulate things exactly the way you want them to go. Whereas consciousness in a dream is something I've never experienced before, um, or at least I don't remember experiencing before. So I, I would say that this was different. I literally just, I was the character in my dream. I was playing the role as whatever person I was in the dream. However, I became conscious and more importantly, non-reactive. And I'll explain what I mean by that. So in that dream, here's the storyline. I was in a relationship with a guy named David who happened to look like a young Jeff Goldblum. So very tall, very slim, um, and in my opinion, very attractive. I was one of those weird kids who, like, at the age of 12, had a crush on Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> um, he's a good-looking guy. Anyway, uh, so my my... So my my, I guess, unconscious created this character, right? And so I was with him. But the thing about this character, David, was that he was very weak-willed. And he was weak-willed because he was almost like under the thumb of his father. Now, his father was kind of, um, I don't want to say waspy because they were Jewish, but that sort of, you know, New York, um, new money, sort of upper class, but looks down on everybody, kind of, you know, those kind of people, Right. And, you know, the, the wife, the mom, you know, wore the pearls and, you know, kind of shuffled behind her husband, but was this sort of, you know, I, I'll say matronizing figure. Um, and uh, so it was that. And the, the, the David's parents more or less controlled him. And because, you know, they kind of held his purse strings, so to speak, right, they controlled, uh, you know, he worked for them, so they controlled more or less his income. He was kind of beholden to his father and his father knew that and his father was extremely manipulative and knew how to pull his son's string. Long story short, um, myself and David and a group of our friends ended up at his parents' house for dinner. It wasn't something that we had wanted to do. More or less, we got manipulated into doing it and we just decided, well, I should say David got manipulated into doing it and so we decided to go with him just as a show of support because we knew that he was frankly terrified of his father. Anyway, in the dream, um, we're all sitting at the table and David's father is just spouting off some of the most closed-minded, ignorant, bigoted, racist stuff, right? So I'm still, I'm black in my dream um, and David is obviously not. And we're in an interracial relationship. It's clear to everybody there and everybody knew that we were together. I mean, David... David's father for sure knew, even though we hadn't explicitly told him, his father was very smart and could, you know, he knew we were together. And that's why he was making these comments to kind of antagonize his son. So he's saying all this and everybody's like uncomfortable, right? Can you imagine somebody saying like at a dinner table, you know, I think that everybody should stick with their own kind and those, that kind of conversation. And like, I'm the only black person in the room and these are my friends. So they knew like, clearly this is an inappropriate conversation. But nobody wanted to say anything because they knew the relationship that David had with his father. But it was just very thick and uncomfortable. That's when I became conscious. Um, and at that moment, as he's going, I felt myself kind of split. So normally in the dream, I would react automatically, right? If somebody's saying something racist to a person of color in the presence of a person of color, the automatic response would be to right? Respond in anger, to be, to respond in a rage, to be combative, to be debative, to be insulted and all these things. Um, but instead it was like my mind split. And then there became a part of me that realized what, not necessarily that I was in a dream, but realized that I was being antagonized by this individual. And also more importantly, made me realize that I had a choice in the way I was going to respond. And so right at that moment, David's father turned to me and asked me, well, what do you think about basically, you know, all the racist shit I've been saying, uh, to paraphrase. 
and you could have heard a pin drop, right? Everybody kind of turned to stare at me. And I, I think I was eating like peas or something or green beans. And I took a bite of my green beans and I said, you know, I, I, I can see things from your perspective and I can understand why you would think these things, you know, just based on the way you view the world. It is what it is. Um, and everybody's entitled to their own perception of reality, right? Everybody's kind of walking their own path. So I get it. Um, all I know is that I love your son. And I care about him very much. Um, so that's that. And I kind of smirked. But that response was a conscious response. It was a part of my waking self in this reality that became conscious in the dream to not react and to to respond in a controlled and measured way, which I guess you could say is a type of lucidity. But then you could also argue that consciousness in this reality, in the waking reality, is the equivalent of living lucidly, so semantics, right? Um, but at that point, I became kind of in control of the persona in the dream. And, you know, I became aware of that persona. I don't know, I think her name was Anne. Um, but I became aware of, let's say, Anne's desires, which was she did want for her partner, David, to be stronger, to be defiant, to protect her, to stick up for her, to defend her against his father. But she also recognized that at that present moment, he was incapable of sticking up for even himself, let alone for me, right? Um, and so under normal circumstances, you put me, like my waking self, Joe, right, in a situation like that, and I would have gone off on the father, and then I would have gone off on the David, you know, character as well. Like, you're supposed to defend me. You're, you know, your father's incredibly racist. I can't believe that you would just let him ask me these questions and, you know, just feed the chaos. Um, but instead, you know, I recognize things for what it was. I recognize that these characters are all flawed in some way, shape, or form. And so applying judgment to David's, you know, lack of courage in the face of his, you know, very imposing and very intimidating father... Um, wouldn't have helped the situation. So I just spoke my truth without being reactive. And I was able to do that in a dream. And so after the dinner, we all got up and there was kind of a side of kind of a feeling of relief as all our friends were walking to the, you know, to the front door. And as we're getting ready to leave, David, almost inspired by what I said, turned to his father and for the first time in his life, sort of like stuck his chest out. I mean, um, and just said, you know, what you were saying at dinner was incredibly um, inappropriate. And the fact that we're even having dinner at your house was extremely manipulative, right? So I kind of left out the circumstances that led us to having dinner in the, in the first place at the father's house. But he calls it to his father's attention. And he does exactly what I had wanted him to do. My dream self had wanted him to do when we were at the table, which was defend me. But... He didn't do it because I had prompted him to do so, you know, out of my anger, was my show of lucidity and consciousness triggered his lucidity and consciousness. And there's a phrase, there's a saying that goes like, when you change, the whole world kind of changes with you, right? Or when you smile, the whole world smiles with you, right? It's the same kind of concept. So I didn't make him conscious by telling him you need to be conscious. I made him conscious by expressing my own consciousness, my own lucidity, right? And the the world and my it was my conscious actions that made all the other characters in my dream also conscious. And I think that that was a very important dream. Like my mind was trying to show something and share something with me and teach me something. And I woke up feeling really like amazing. Um, then I started to think about what the implications of the dream is. See, the I have only I would have only been able to become conscious in the dream world. Or I, I was only able to become conscious in the dream world because on a daily basis in the waking life, I work on being non-reactive, 
and pausing before I speak and, you know, not criticizing, not judging, putting myself in other people's shoes and trying to empathize and realizing that I'm not perfect and so I shouldn't expect anybody else to be. And it's the constant practice of consciousness that made it so that those aspects of myself started has started to seep in to the dream world, making my dream self more conscious. So all these sort of books that I've read that, you know, were sort of gimmicky in the sense of how to become lucid and how to lucid dream. Once I let go of that and just worked more, and I've said this in previous episodes, as my regular listeners can probably attest to, once I let go of that whole, I, I need to control my dream, and I said, you know, I actually enjoy becoming different people and just allowing the storylines to play out. Um, and I said I wanted to focus more on lucid living rather than lucid dreaming. Um, it was like the opposite happened. And as I worked on strengthening in my conscious actions rather than unconscious reactions, my dream self began to kind of meld more and more or has become to meld more and more with my waking self. And thus it beca- thus it's becoming or I'm becoming conscious on both realms, both in the dream realm and the waking realm. And that made me to think about life after death. See, here's the thing. Everything that I've read Every book I've read over countless you know years at this point, um, articles, stories, religious texts, you know, journals, everything that I've read points me to the fact to the point or to the fact that when we die, from what I've read, when you die, right, your life flashes before your eyes, and then you are approached by entities. And more often than not, it is said in a lot of these after-death experiences and near-death experiences, rather, that I've read about, they all kind of say the same thing, more or less. An entity approaches you disguised as, like, a loved one, right? And it takes the shape of somebody that you're familiar with. And people have said that, yeah, they do that to make you comfortable. But I don't believe that. I think they do that in order to trick you. I think it's a trick. So it shows up wearing the faces of your loved ones. The same way, like in my dream, the character David took a face of a, of a, a person in, in this reality that I've ha- I had a crush on when I was younger, right? So that's how dreams work. They just take on different faces in order to kind of teach you or to, you know, continue, you know, to play out the storyline, right? I think, not I don't, I think, I know from what I've read and from near-death experiences and things like that, um, so they take on the faces of people that you, that you've loved and lost, whether it's a grandma or, you know, a sister or whatever. And it tells you, it asks you, you know, after reviewing your life, is there anything that you want to change? Do you want to go back? And it quote unquote gives you the choice to go back. And more, more likely than not, most people get stuck on the things that they did wrong, right? Because you spend your whole incarnation judging other people. And what have I said, the more you strengthen that judge, that judgmental mindset, right? Just calling out people's, you know, failures and through criticism, right? Constant criticism and, and complaint. You're also strengthening that aspect of yourself to then turn around and criticize you. So when you are faced with that choice and it's saying, well, you did this and you did this wrong, and you, right? They, they, you, they have you review your life and they make you feel guilt and it makes you feel regret. And then it asks you, do you want to go back? First of all, if you, haven't, if you don't spend your whole life and your dream life, right? We spent eight hours. That's a third of our day sleeping every single day. Like who? You need to be practicing during those eight hours for life after death. But instead, we just go to sleep, right? We barely remember our dreams. We don't work on remembering our dreams because we've been told in this reality that your dreams don't matter, which, as I've said, is bullshit. If my dreams don't matter, then my waking life doesn't matter as well. You dream for a reason, yeah? And so, so it says, it shows you all these bad things that you've done, and it says you want to go back. Well, because you've been programmed to feel guilt, to feel remorse, to to criticize your own life and to criticize other people, you find fault in the ways that you lived and you find fault in the way that you 
you know, did things and you criticize yourself and you condemn yourself the way you spend your whole existence criticizing and condemning other people. So of course you say, yes, you go and you go through the door and then you come back again. The problem is that that loop, right? That's not the first time it's happened, right? You, you've done this over and over and over and over again. The problem is that you forget. And so that's how you get trapped back here repeatedly. And as the Hindus have said, you, you, don't, you don't want to reincarnate. It's a, the karma, the karmic loop is, an, is actually a trap. It keeps you here. Now, as I'm telling you the story, I think I referenced a, in a previous episode, an episode of uh, Eureka, where um, the main character, uh, the sheriff, he is stuck in like a quantum time loop. So he's repeating the same day over and over again. And the first time that happens, his daughter says, you're not self-aware at all. And then the fifth or sixth time it happens, he says, I've become self-aware. He said, it just took a couple of loops for me to become self-aware. And so I speak to myself, right? And I've come to the conclusion, like there's nothing special about me. I'm just a simple human being, right? So the things that I can come to, the conclusions that I can come to and the things I can talk to you about, um, if I can come to these conclusions, so can you. The only thing that separates me than, like, say, the the average, quote-unquote, unconscious person is that I've probably done this loop so many times. I've looped this life so many times that my memory is starting to come back, right? It's how I'm able to predict things. Not a lot, but a lot of the things that I say are going to happen end up happening. I'm not making them happen. But if I've re-looped this life before, then of course I'm going to remember certain things. It's going to stick to me. Like how sometimes when you're sitting there just kind of watching a movie or reading a book or something, your your dreams will kind of flash into your mind without you realizing that, you know, or without you trying to remember that. Yeah. And so the only difference between me and like the average unconscious person is uh, incarnation loops. And for the most part, as you guys will know, um, I, I was a very, very critical person, right? And I think that that would make sense. If I'm externally critical, I'm also internally critical. And so if somebody at the end of my past incarnations flashes their, my life, you know, in front of my, my eyes and says, do you want to go back? Yeah, I would criticize. I did this wrong. I did this wrong. I did this wrong. And I would get sent back, which means I've been here before, over and over and over and over again. So what's different? What's the difference now? Well, now I'm realizing a few things. One, most conscious people aren't better than unconscious people. They've just been looping longer. That's it. They've been stuck in the reincarnation loop for for more phases than other people. And so things are beginning to feel familiar to them. They're starting to realizing that, shit, I'm in a trap. I'm, I'm stuck in a loop. That's the first thing. Secondly, the way to get out of it is by becoming conscious both in your waking reality and also in your dreaming reality. Because here's the thing. If I'm sitting in my chair right now and the ceiling falls on me and I die, that death world feels a lot like the dream world. If I don't know how to control myself in the dream world, then I'm not going to know. If I don't know how to be conscious in the dream world as I dream every night, which you should be practicing consciousness in the dream world, I'm not going to know how to control myself in the death world. I'm not going to remember, Joe, first of all, that's not your loved one, right? Somebody's wearing their face. Two, you've done this before. And three, there's another choice. There's always two choices. This world is a dual world, yeah? But if you've been programmed consistently to only vibrate on a negative frequency, right? So for example, if you're, if you're a critical person, you basically have programmed your mind to only find the negative, right? That's just the one door that you, you are able to see. It's just the one thing you're able to see, which is the bad things that people do.
You get enough practice, you start thinking that that's the only way to see things, all right? If you get enough practice, you start thinking that's the only way to live negatively. But clearly, all of us are aware that for everything that is negative, there's a positive. So if you can hone your mind to seek out everything negative that a person does, you can train that same mind, and that's alchemy. You can transmute that same mind into balancing out the negative and finding out the positive, right? Also in people. So if you can find something to criticize about a person, you can also find something to compliment about that same person. Your 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 mind can do both, but you spend most of your life channeling your mind to just operate on a negative frequency. So you're only you're basically blinding yourself to the fact that a positive um, reality also exists. And if you look at the world that we're living, that's more or less what we're seeing. You turn on the news, it's criticism, 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 war. It's all negative, right? But a conscious mind should be able to look at all this negative stuff and say, well, if negative can exist, exists, then positive can also exist, right? It's all about transmute, transmutation. You just have to balance it. You've got to train your mind to look at the polar opposite of it and eventually to neutralize it, which I think is actually more important. It's not when your life flashes. So in the past, I should say, in the past, when your life flashes before your eyes and your previous incarnations at the end of each of your incarnation loop, when your life flashes before your eyes, you are shown only the negative. And so that's all you, or I'm sorry, you're shown your whole life, but because you've been trained to focus on just the negative, you focus on just the negative and then you come back to try to fix it, but it's the same loop. Because you never broke that negativity, broke out of the negativity frequency. But you can look on the opposite end too and say, you know what, actually, no. I, I Yes, I did all these things wrong. But you can also, while you're living, while you're alive, while you're incarnated in this life, you can actively every single day train your mind to find the positive in things as well. But ultimately, it's not even about finding the negative or the, po- or the positive. Those are still, um, it's still duality. I think the key is to finding yourself in the center, looking these entities you know, in the face and saying, yes, I lived a life, but nobody has lived a perfect life. There are some things that I did that were negative, and there were, and here are some things that I did positive, but ultimately... Maintaining a neutral stance and saying at the end of the day, you know, I'm a human being. That's it. Um, I started talking to this about about the dream stuff to my my cousin in our group chat. And uh, he watches a lot of anime, which I don't. And when I said what I said about, like, the dream, he said, you know, this makes me think of the anime Full Metal Alchemist, which I have no experience with. But he sent me clips of the story. Um, and there was one particular scene that he sent, which uh, there were, I guess, every time he would go to like the death world or whatever, there was this entity there that was like sitting at the door. This is from what I can glean from like a two minute clip. But at that point, he turned around and realized, wait, there were two doors. And he says, I never realized that there were two doors. And that really made me think like, this is, this is, this is it. Like, this is, this is deep, you know, not realizing that you've had a second choice, right? It's like a person who suffers their whole life, never realizing that they have the choice to not suffer. They have a choice to let go. They have a choice to neutral even they have a choice to do something different and that choice the choice out of the negative automatic response to choosing something positive that's what breaks you out of the unconsciousness and that's what strengthens one's ability to become conscious and so at this point then in your life, if you're listening to this, you're listening to it for a reason because one, especially like my regular listeners, like you're not tuning in um, because you have nothing else to listen to. There are millions of podcasts out there and yet you keep coming to listen to this. So clearly there's something about what I'm being said that you're, that you're resonating with. Like I've said, you can't, I can't teach you anything. It has been said and I read this in... Uh, 
Phantoms of the Brain. It was written by Dr. V.S. Ramachandra. And he said something to the effect towards the end of the book that your brain doesn't learn. It only remembers. So I can't teach you something you don't already know. That's mind-blowing to me. And so I'll say that to you. I can't teach you anything on this podcast that you don't already know. All I can do is remind you. And so the reason why you keep listening to this podcast is because I'm reminding you of things that you already know. So here, here, here you have it. If you, if you want to move on to the next level, the next realm, if you want to break out of this level, because here's the thing. You are a conscious being and you found yourself living in a world surrounded by people who are mostly unconscious. It's not their fault. It's just the level that they're in. And the reason why you're able to stop and take a step back and go like these people are unconscious is because it's like any video game, right? They're just quote unquote noobs, right? Newbies. And so they're playing the game the way initially it's structured, you know, to play, to be played. Whereas you have been playing the game for so long that it's none of this is new to you. You under you've reached a point where you like are looking around and you're just like, wait, this doesn't make any sense. You you're you're finding yourself challenging authority, challenging status quo, right? Because it's like there's a part of you that's waking up and realizing like I've done this before. So what's the next step? Well, if you imagine the next phase in your ever the evolution of your soul the evolution of your psyche, the evolution of your spirit, if you realize that the next phase of that is to move to a world where, let's call it heaven, for lack of a better word, right? Um, but to a place where there are higher dimensional beings. Well, what is the difference between a low, low dimensional being or a low vibrational being and a high dimensional being? Well, higher dimensional beings are conscious I'll say that again. What's the difference between a low dimensional being and a higher dimensional being? It's that higher dimensional beings are conscious. And so if you want to move on to the next phase in your spiritual evolution, you've got to get into the practice of exercising conscious will. That's it. And you're going to get stuck in the same loop. It's not out of punishment. And I don't even imagine that the entities that you meet at the end of your life I don't want to put the label of evil because I don't know. I don't think that that's what they are. I think they're just another function of the game. If you want to look at it from a, like a computer, a simulation perspective, then you could, you could argue that they're just another, they're, they're AI and their function is to more or less check to see, are you conscious? If you're conscious, then you'll move to the next phase, to the next level where there are other conscious beings. And then whatever set of uh, challenges that are await you there are waiting for you. Or maybe that's the end of it. I don't know. But to be a god, by definition, a god is a being who is more or less conscious and in control, Right? as opposed to an automaton, right? A slave, a robot, right? So if you are looking at the world in terms of dimensions and you want to move on to the fifth dimension, then the way you do that, it's not going to be given to you. You have to exercise it. And you practice for the 12 hours a day that you're functioning or the 14 hours a day that you're functioning on a daily level, you've got to exercise consciousness. And with enough practice, you'll start becoming automatically more and more conscious in that dream world, that nether world, which I've said, the dream world is the same world that people um, experience. It's the same place. It's a realm we call it the dream realm, but I think the dream realm is the same place that people who do LSD, ayahuasca, and all that, they visit that same realm, but under the influence. And I think you visit that realm every night. So if you, it's like a nether world. So if you want to become more lucid in that world in order to be able to kind of learn and move 
past this reality because I feel like the the nether world, the dream world, the world that people visit when they get you know when they do drugs and they get high is also that same world that you go to after your life ends here it's that's where the entities exist where they ask you if you want to come back so if you're on a daily basis or a nightly basis visiting that world you might want to start working now on being good at being able to consciously navigate that world so that by the time you die and you enter that world at your final hour you can look around and you're familiar with it. You know the laws, you know the rules, and you're conscious. And so when those entities come to you with the faces of the people that you love, there is a part of you that's not unconscious, right? There's a part of you that is able to recognize and go, okay, first of all, you recognize your own death and you feel no fear. Secondly, you can be able to look to this entity and say, yeah, um, no, I'm good. I'm ready. I'm ready to move on. It's funny because as I'm talking to you, I'm actually, I actually, I'm thinking of a Stephen King story. I'm not going to be able to remember the title, but it was more or less the same thing. Uh, I read it, I think last summer. Um, and one of his, like, it was a short story. So one of his anthologies, like short story kind of books. And it was a story about this guy and it's more or less the same thing. He dies, he has a heart attack or whatever, cancer, dies, goes to this afterworld. It's an office though. He meets this guy in the office and the guy says, you know, this is your life. And um, he, you know, his life, life flashes before his eyes and it, he, they show him all these sort of pinnacle moments. And then at the end, the guy says, do you want to come back? And, or do you want to go back? And the human being, the main character is like, yeah, I want to go back. So the twist is that the character in the story is like, you've already done this. So he tells him. You've already done this and you don't, there's nothing that you change. You always will do this to your wife. You'll always, you know, it's always, it always plays out in the exact same way. This is like your 15th time that you've done this, but the main character doesn't, doesn't care. He feels like he can go in and change everything. And so the person that he meets in the afterlife, you know, the worker says, okay, fine. And then he goes back in again. And again, and again, and again. Two things. One, I think of Sisyphus, right? Who, his punishment is to push the rock up the hill only to have it roll down at the end of the day. Some people have said that, well, that's not really a punishment. The only thing that makes it a punishment is if he desires to have something different, right? Okay. Um, that's one way to look at it. But if you are stuck in the loop of doing the same thing for all eternity, um, to me, that is a type of punishment. Regardless of how you want to look at it. Now, some people might be okay with doing that. Um, but I think when you reach a point where you're like, okay, I'm done. And more importantly, the difference between Sisyphus and human beings is that you always have a choice. I should say the difference between the myth of Sisyphus and human beings is like, first of all, it's a myth, but there's a story there. Yeah. And secondly, what was taken out was that he had a choice, right? Like if he was sentenced to push the rock up the hill over and over again, there was nothing really tormenting him. He could have just said, fuck this shit and stayed at the bottom and just like chilled on the rock, meditated. Nobody said he had to keep doing it. He was the one who kept doing it. And I don't know what he hoped to achieve or he felt he hoped to achieve. But once again, it's a myth. There's always choice. problem is that a lot of us aren't cognizant of the fact that we have a choice because like I said free will isn't something that's given to us it's something it's like a muscle it has to be exercised you got to practice it and that's what these incarnations from are for rather if you want to make it to the realm of higher selves higher vibrational entities to the fifth dimension whatever however you want to phrase it if you want to move out of this vibration out of this world 
you got to start living consciously because you can't, it's like a passport. You're not going to be allowed to get into, you're not going to be able, not allowed, you're not going to be able to get into a world of fully conscious beings if you're unconscious. It's like having to pass a test, right? You're not, or an entrance exam to college, right? If, if you're trying to get into like a university and they require that your ACT score has to be like, let's say 32 or whatever, um, you're not going to, it doesn't matter how many times you take the test, if you don't score above a particular limit, right, that they've set, you're not going to get in, period. So if the prerequisite, if you want to live amongst conscious beings, if you wake up and you look around and you find yourself surrounded by unconscious beings and your first question is, what am I doing here? Secondly, why am I surrounded by unconscious people? I feel alone. I can't connect with these people, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's fine. But it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them. It just means you're ready now to move on to the next phase. But the prerequisite in, to allow you to move out of this world where people are mostly unconscious, right? To rise like chases, right? To, mm, to float to the surface, to, to lighten your energy, to move on to the next level, however, <laughs> whatever euphemism you want to look use for that. The requirement is that you are, you maintain and you're, you are conscious. And the way you get to that is by exercising it in your last incarnation. Let's hope this is your last incarnation. Right? Does that make sense? It makes sense. I know it makes sense. Um, yeah. So you got to practice. You know, when you're, when you wake up in the morning and your first compulsion is somebody's doing something that aggravates you, right? Rather than criticizing them, you go, okay. They're not conscious. We're not living in a world of perfect beings, right? You're hoping to get to a world where people are conscious. But right now, you're here in this world where people are not conscious. Most people are not conscious. That's okay. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them. It just means that you're ready for the next phase. And the way you get to the next phase the way you quote unquote pass that entrance exam is by exercising consciousness, exercising free will, choosing positive reactions in order to counter the negative, you know, impulses or whatever, right? So if unconscious people always react negatively, then flip it. A conscious person will try to seek out either a neutral position or a positive position. And that balances, that's alchemy. And you do this for the rest of your life. And I guarantee you, because I've seen this, not just the dream that I had this morning, that was the first sort of dream that I decided I was going to tell a story of. But as I started writing my dreams on a daily basis, I started to notice that, you know, bits of my waking self are starting to kind of infiltrate my dream self. And my dreams are becoming more and more vivid. And I'm gaining more and more control, not necessarily of the environment, but most definitely of whatever self or persona I happen to exist in in that world. And so every human being then that you are met with, that you interact with, think of it as practice, a consciousness test, a, a way to exercise consciousness. When somebody calls and you start, you want to react to somebody that you don't really want to talk to and you want to react negatively, let that just be a thing that wakes you up. I guarantee you that the more practice you get, the more lucid you'll be in this world and the more lucid you'll become 
in the dream world. And then a third of your whole entire life isn't spent in darkness. You can go to sleep and still be conscious. And now you're conscious for 24 hours. You're not spending a third of your life in darkness. To bring back the episode of the Full Metal Alchemist, I, I'm, I'm kind of wanting to kind of bring the focus back to the two doors and that scene that my cousin sent me where he said, I never realized that there were two doors. That that's just keeps sticking with me. And I want, I want it to stick with you too. There's, If you never realize that you have another option, then clearly you feel compelled and compulsed to just you don't have choice <laughs> right if 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 you only have if you don't if you don't have any other options you don't have a choice more or less right that's the difference between a democracy and a dictatorship right a democracy or at least illusion of the idea of a democracy is that you give people other choices Whereas a dictatorship is just, this is all you got and this is all you're getting and that's it. So if you're not aware that you have another option, then you're not, you can't say that you're free. If you're not aware that you have another option, you can't say that you're free. So. Bringing that awareness to your mind and understanding that in every situation, in every interaction that you have with another human being, you have more than one option. You are not a slave. I asked my question, I asked this question rather to my cousin and I said, what's the difference between a conscious person and an unconscious person, right? Because here's the thing. I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm this brilliant person. I'm not. And it's not me trying to be humble. It's just a matter of fact. I'm not going to say that I'm this super smart person because I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm just a simple human being. But what's the difference? What differentiates me from, say, an unconscious human being? I ask Why? I ask questions. You see, intelligence isn't about knowing. Intelligence, I'll say this again, I'll say it three times so it sinks in. Intelligence isn't about knowing. It's about asking questions. Intelligence isn't about knowing. It's about asking questions. There's freedom isn't derived from just going along with everything that you're told to do. That would make you a slave. Asking why is what makes your mind free. That's it. So the only difference between me and a quote unquote unconscious human being is that I ask why, I ask questions. So the thing is, if you, even if you don't feel like you're a super conscious person, the easiest, this, this life is not that hard. Life is not hard. That's just a lie. It's a trick to keep you from trying things, to keep you unconscious. It's very simple. The key to consciousness, to start, to wake you up, simply ask why. Why? You see, intelligence, a computer, my, my phone, my smartphone, is intelligent. It has all the answers, more or less, right? It knows more than I do. Google intelligence. It has access to all, all the knowledge of, of the human race, more or less, more or less. You type it in, it pops out an answer. You ask Siri, it gives you an answer. So intelligence isn't the ability to come up with an answer. You see, because Siri, if I ask it to do something, 
it's just going to do it because it's, that's what it's programmed to do. That's not intelligence. That's a slave. The etymology of the word robot has its root meaning in the word slave. Robots are slaves because they simply do what they're told. Robots are slaves because they simply do what they're programmed to do. They don't ask questions. They don't ask why. And so if you're seeking freedom from this world, if you're seeking freedom from your programmed responses, you start with why. Start asking questions. Well, why do we have to do this? Why? Well, who says? Why do we have to do things this way? What's the reason for us doing things this way? That, those, the line of questioning, that's what activates your consciousness. That's what makes you free from those programmed unconscious reactions that drive the majority of our daily lives. That's freedom. Bob Marley said, emancipate yourself from mental slavery. Free yourself from mental slavery. And I think what I just explained really fits in with that statement. Non- but ourselves can free our own minds. Emancipate yourself from mental slavery. You can free yourself from programmed response, from automatic reactive behavior that is typical of an unconscious mind. Start by asking questions. I'll leave you with this. There's something um, funny that I read. I was I was um, reading a book called The Sovereign Individual, and in in the I don't know what chapter it's on, um, but I think it was like in the midway point. Not that it matters where it is, but anyway, um, in that he talks about. Uh, the popes uh, and the Catholic Church and just how corrupt that entire organization, the Vatican, was and probably still is. Not probably, definitely still is. Like, look what's going on with the whole, you know, children scandal. Um, But did you know, for example, according to this book, that the only reason why Catholics don't eat meat on Friday is because the Catholic Church owned a bunch of fisheries and by making it against, you know, dogmatic law for Catholics to eat meat and telling them they had to eat fish, people would, you know, their their practitioners would go to the fish markets and buy fish and the church would profit from that because they owned the fish markets. And to this day, <laughs> people don't ask, wait, what does eating fish on Friday have to do with anything? Or more importantly, where did this practice stem from? Another really trouble th- troubling thing that they did was they would make it illegal for people to have sex, like literally against the law, the religious dogma, religious law, um, for practitioners or Christians to have sex on Sunday, Wednesday, and Friday, and then 
like a few days before Lent and for 30 days during another period or whatever arbitrary bullshit rules that they would come up with. And then they would sell prostitution licenses to prostitutes. And one bishop was even known to like basically be a pimp, like to own a brothel. yeah so I just wanted to leave you guys with that and um this has probably one been one of my favorite episodes to record and probably one of the episodes I'm going to go back and listen to um as well just for my own benefit like I said you know when I when I sit record episodes a lot of the time I don't know where the where it's gonna go it's a stream of thought episode, right? But, and I, I always wait till I feel this compulsion to record an episode. And so this episode just kind of came to me after my dream. And I just close my eyes and I start speaking and all this truth kind of comes out in a way that makes sense. Sometimes I pause because I'm trying to grasp something that was flashing at me while I was in the middle of saying something. So I will pause and those are what those long pauses are. I'm searching for my mind for something that I had that was like trying to slip away. Um, But every time I record these episodes, I go back and I listen to them and they're just as beneficial for me, my daily life, as they have been for my listeners. So this has been my favorite one um, to record because it, it feels so, one of my favorite, I should say, because it feels so true and it feels so honest. And um, yeah, practice, guys. Like I said, I think Gurdjieff said, you know, this is a prison, right? And he said that you can't escape the prison if you don't realize that you're in prison in the first place. So this world is a prison. Yeah. And the only way you can escape a prison is by learning from people who have escaped the prison before before you. Learning from them. So the thing is, if conscious individuals, conscious entities exist in the outside world, in the world outside of this one, yeah, and people who do like ayahuasca and LSD are communicating with them. And these entities are telling you, you've got to live consciously. You've got to stop doing drugs. You've got to vibrate higher. You've got to stay away from these things. They're teaching you how to move on to the next level. And that's by living consciously. So live consciously. Consciously.